following is a production of Word Alive Creative Arts. Welcome to the podcast of Word Alive International Outreach in Oxford, Alabama, an apostolic center for transformation and freedom. We pray today that you will be blessed and strengthened by this powerful message. Hey, Doc. Hey, man. <laughs> Hallelujah. How are like you? I feel like Christmas has come two weeks early for me. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> look, look, look at this. We can be together easy. Hey. I'm, I'm in my, in my, in my lovely condo. You, 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 you've got to come and see it. Or I even want to. Huh? I want to. You look I, great. You look marvelous yourself. I am so excited. I fixed my hair just for you. <laughs> it looks great. So we're live already, you know. Oh, great. And there's uh, lots of folks watching today uh, on different platforms. And I just want to, first of all, say thank you, Pastor Benny. You know I love you so, so, so love much. Love you. You're my buddy. I love you. And, and how's Bev doing? She's doing really good. She's watching us somewhere in another room. Uh, and by the way, you look, you look great. Thank you. You look like you've, you've gotten younger. <laughs> I love it. By the grace of God, maybe. Amen. Well, I'm ready. It's all yours. Well, uh, if you don't mind, I'd just like to invite the Lord with us. Is that okay? Oh, I'd love that. I'd love that. Wonderful Lord Jesus, you said we're two or three are gathered. There you are. And Lord, there's hundreds, if not thousands here today, wanting, trusting, and believing in you. Lord, I'm so thankful to you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. I'm so thankful for dear Pastor Benny Hinn and what he's meant to my life and millions of people around the world and how you've used him to bring people into your miraculous realm and to have their lives transformed. Lord, I just ask that as we share our time together that you just fill this space, this whatever space this is, digital or in our rooms, just fill this space with your goodness and your mercy. And so, Lord, we just, first of all, want to honor you and thank you for all you're doing in our lives and continue to do. You're so faithful and you're Hallelujah. so Bless you today, Lord. In your holy name we pray. Amen. 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 I, li I like him, don't you? Pardon? I like the Lord. <laughs> we adore the Lord. We're not just like him. We adore him. He's our life. You taught oh, me that. Hallelujah. Sorry, I got excited. We've been talking about miracles. Mm. And we even had a 9 a.m. service this morning where we went to the scriptures, looked about what the Lord said about miracles. And I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit and your heart, because uh, Lord knows you've seen millions of miracles now around the world. And uh, I wondered if you, you could kind of rehearse for us the first time you encountered the miraculous. What was that like and what was Oh, my like? Lord. Well, I mean, the first time I really encountered it was in Catherine Cummins' meeting. I've told the story many, many times. There was a lady with us <clears throat> crippled with arthritis. I mean, like totally crippled, twisted, all that. She, she looked like the hunch of Notre Dame. Mm. And Jim Pointer, who used to take buses down from Toronto to Pittsburgh, <clears throat> asked me and a gentleman named Al Parichin to help this lady. 
who was on a wheelchair. And so we put the wheelchair under the bus and had to carry her into the bus and all that. Now from Toronto to Pittsburgh is a good seven hour drive if, if you go nonstop. But we stopped, you know, restaurants and this and that. So it was about maybe nine, 10 hours at least. And the whole time, every time we, we would stop, you know, dear Al and I would go and get the, get the wheelchair for the lady and open the wheelchair and carry her out of the bus on the wheelchair into the restaurant back. This went on all day. Next morning, we had to go to, to her room to help her and her husband to come to the service. And we were waiting outside. <clears throat> this was Carnegie Music Hall in uh, Pittsburgh. Anyways, now service begins and the lady looks, looks at us and she says, and she was quite witty. She said, now listen, boys, don't let them see my wheelchair because Catherine in those days did not allow any with any of the wheelchairs on the main floor. Anyways, <clears throat> so we, okay, we said, fine. We took the wheelchair, put it back on the bus and had to carry her in the, in the service, ran down the aisles, asking God to blind the ushers. Because we, we knew if those ushers knew what was going on, they'd say no. We put her down near the front, third, fourth row, went up on the balcony, because by that time the whole uh, lower level was packed. And we sat there, and Catherine came on and ministered. The power of God was just intense. And suddenly that lady began to untwist in her seat. Think about a lady who was crippled her fingers crippled, her arms crippled like that, her body like that. And now she starts to untwist in her seat. It freaked me out. That was the first thing. Mm. That was, I think, the first, the, the first uh, Bible miracle, if I want to call it, I saw in my life, where this lady was healed and you could see her getting healed, not coming up and saying, I was, and nobody saw it, you know? It was, it was a, a life-changing moment for me. On all I could do is hit Jim on the arm, and all I could say is, ha, ha, ha. I couldn't even talk. So nobody can stay the same when you see the power of God like that. Mm -hmm. So miracles have been a part of my life since the 70s. <clears throat> and then when I had my first, uh, well, the first time I saw one in my, in, in my own meetings was May 1975. I, I, I began preaching, of course, December of 74. But really, I didn't see anything happen like people healed in those early, early days for the first five, six months. I simply preached the gospel, laid hands on the sick, but mostly, of course, preached salvation and got them saved. I didn't really focus much on healing in the first five, six months of my ministry's life. Oh, wow. And, and I knew we had a, a board meeting on a Monday, and all of my meetings were Mondays to stay away from Sunday and people having to go to church Sunday or Wednesday, whatever. So uh, we made the decision to have Monday night meetings. We didn't think anybody would show up, but to, my, to our, all of our amazement, when the miracles began, thousands began to show up. Well, anyways, when I began, my crowds, December, January, February, March, April, uh, maybe 200, maybe, sometimes 150, some were there, most, mostly Latvians, Romanians, Hungarians, people from the Eastern Bloc. Well, that Monday, 
I looked at the board. We, we just had a board meeting that afternoon. I said, tonight, the Lord will heal people while they're sitting down. They all looked at me. I just knew it. Everything in me knew the miracles would begin tonight. So we got to the service, and uh, the power of God hit. And suddenly I said, someone, and there was a Cody Hall, St. Paul's Cathedral. We had just rented it for the meetings. And I said, somebody has just been healed of a back condition on the balcony. There was hardly 200 people there, but some ladies decided to sit, some people decided to sit on the balcony for some reason, not a whole lot of them, maybe four or five of them. I said, somebody has been healed. And a lady who had been, you know, in terrible pain and condition was healed. When, when, when God healed her and she came down and said, I was healed, and then others, be, you know, began to stand up and say they were being healed. The word got out. Mr. Maddox, as I always love to call you, Pastor Maddox, by the following week, you can get near the building. It was packed, wow. jammed, because people heard healings are, are happening. And from there on, we saw thousands, three and 4,000 on Monday nights. So these miracles are outstanding. But the one that, that really uh, got to me, in my own meetings, I mean, you know, the one with Miss Kuhlman was incredible, but the one that really was used to really affect me, you'll love this, Chad, listen to this, was Lady Frances Scott. I'll never forget her as long as I live. Frances, I was up in Sousa Marie, Ontario. <clears throat> and you heard me tell that story. This lady, while I'm preaching, she comes up, she's, she's got these crutches on, a big metal brace on her right leg, and she's walking real slow up the aisle, comes up on the platform. There, there had to be two, 3,000 people there in a high school gymnasium. She gets on the platform, sits on my chair. You remember that story. Her <laughs> leg goes up, and I look back, and I see this woman sitting on my chair on the platform next to the preacher's. So I went up and I said, can I help you? But what, what happened before that was, was quite funny. Fred Spring saw how upset I was with this woman sitting behind me with her legs stuck up because of the, of the, of the uh, you know, uh, brace. So he, he and, and his assistant came in and stood in front of her to block her from, to, to you know, kind of stand before her so I wouldn't see her. Well, it didn't work, of course. So I went up, I said, guys, please sit down, gentlemen, sit down. So I looked at her and said, can I help you? And she spoke with a man's voice. She was a big woman up north, you know. And uh, she began pounding her brace. She said, my leg, my leg. Well, I had no clue what was wrong with, with her leg. I thought it was maybe she had broken it, whatever. Well, I wasn't as uh, sweet in those days. <laughs> I was a little rough. I just started ministering and I don't know, you know, God changed me, thank God. Anyway, so I said, Take the brace off. And well, she just stared at me because I was really upset with her because she's sitting on the platform, almost messed up my whole meeting. <laughs> so I said, take the brace off. And she just stared at me. I didn't realize and I didn't think about because she had pants over the brace. So she wore pants. And all you saw is a big thing under the pants on the right leg. Well, she stared at me. Well, some ladies ran up and they surrounded her on the side. 
and she she tore that brace off. It was connected to a thing around her waist, all the way down her leg to 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 a shoe connected to a shoe. And when she hit the floor, she screamed. I can still hear it. I did not know she had no bone in there. There was no bone in her in, inside her leg at all. That's why she had the big thing around her waist and a big metal deal down her leg, all the way down to, to her shoe. When she hit the floor and screamed, she tore that brace off, of course, before that. She took it off gently, I think, at the time. And then she began running around. The place erupted. That was the miracle that brought revival into Susan Marie. There was a lady sitting there who had a big show every lunch hour in the, in the city. She got on, on her program the following Monday, the next Monday, next day, told the whole city. She said what she saw, the whole city came. We stayed for days, had to go, I think, to a, to a, a bigger place. They canceled the football game as a result of the wow. miracle. That's a, that's a fact. They canceled the football game. It was all over the newspapers, on TV, about all the miracles happening. The Catholics came by their thousands. Many, 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 many Catholics. That was, I think, the miracle that really got to me. Because, you know, when I saw the one in Pittsburgh, it was incredible, of course, and life-changing. But here, one in my own meeting, getting healed of something like that, was really, really stunning. And the man... Can I, can I tell them the story of one, just one more? Please, we're in okay. a moment of it. Spanish, Spanish Ontario, north of Sudbury. I'm preaching to a group of Indians. North I was thinking American. about that this morning. Oh, dear Lord. I, I still have the newspapers from that meeting. North American Indians, sweet people, well, in those areas, anyways, they don't show much emotion. They're just big people who stare at you. So I'm preaching... And there was a lady playing the piano who couldn't even play the song Hallelujah properly. So I finally had to you know, tell her to stop. And I was singing by myself, Hallelujah. And I'm just, and those Indians, I don't know, maybe a thousand of them, staring at me. Nobody could nobody sang with me. Just they they just, you know, stood there. And then I, I began preaching. I I was preaching Psalm 103. And this man starts walking up the aisle again, crutches. Brace, his wife, baby, and a little girl with him, his little daughter, and they walk up the aisle. <clears throat> he looks at me, he says, you came here preaching that Jesus heals. Prove it. Whoa. He said, I'm, and he was 28 years old. He said, I'm a crippled man. My wife has cancer. Our first baby died. And then he pulls up the sleeve of his little girl and there's blood all over the skin. And then he tells me how the baby is sick too and all that. It was quite a moment when, when a man comes up, you know, North American Indians that don't play games, these, these people, and says, you came to tell us, prove it. And the whole crowd, everything was quiet, and I could see those preachers behind me, and Catholic priests who were there who had sponsored the service. In those days, I was sponsored by the Catholic Church, believe it or not, charismatic Catholics. So I'm, I'm standing there with all of them sitting. I said, gentlemen, get up here. And the priest came, and Fred Spring and his people came. And I'll never forget this, Maddox. Fred and his people were screaming, oh, God! And the Catholics were all whispering. Finally, I said, Fred, God is not deaf. It's just, it's okay. <laughs> Anyways, I said, Lord, this man came up to tell me to prove it. 
You prove it. I'm preaching your gospel, not my gospel. I'm preaching no. your word, not my word. And when I said that, all we heard is a big thump behind us, like that. We, we looked, and that man, I'm not kidding, jumped like a, like a spring, tore his brace off, and ran down the aisles. Wow. And he, he came running, screaming, and he pulled the, the sleeve the, you know, from, from his daughter. The skin was clear like a baby, not, not a, not, no blood, nothing. And that was something that shook that city. I've seen miracles, people. I've seen miracles. To Jesus be the praise. It's like it just happened yesterday. That was you know, staggering because I was just thinking about that miracle because I'd heard that story before. That was one that it really impacted me when I would hear you tell the story. Yeah. Also, this morning at 9 o'clock, I shared with all the folks watching Psalm 103. Uh, and so here you are talking about Psalm 103. Well, that's what I was preaching on, yeah. So the Holy Spirit was really up to something. I saw, well, the two most significant miracles that I've seen with you. One was my own life when Bev and I are sitting in a congregation of 2,000 people and you have never seen me in your life and you tap into the spirit realm and you stand me and Bev up out of 2,000 people. I had just prayed 60 seconds earlier. God, if you want me to do something, let me know and I'll do whatever you want me to do. 60 seconds later, God has heard my prayer, spoke to you. You stopped the whole service Bev and I down front prophesied that we're going to be in the ministry, told us all about our past that nobody knew, told us about our future. Bev falls out in the spirit, first time ever. She gets up, we're beside herself. We sit down the front row just trying to find our equilibrium. And then you say, I'm going to be in the ministry with you. Uh -huh. And it happened exactly how you said it would be. The second miracle that I saw, this was just impacted my life forever. We were in Costa Rica. You're a minister on the platform. There's thousands of people there. But just by the chance or by the will of God, I'm standing on the side and I'm watching the congregation as you're ministering. All of a sudden, a 19-year-old girl grabs her head like this and blood starts pouring down the sides of her face. She had come into the meeting with no ears. I remember. Had no ear. I remember that. And all of a sudden, two holes appear. The skin is broken. Blood comes down. And for the first time in her whole life, heard in that meeting, you and I get on the airplane to go to uh, Argentina for the next crusade. They talk us into stopping for, we thought, a handful of pastors. I remember that one. You had just your boots on and jeans. We stop, and it's this girl's hometown. She's returned. They saw the miracle and 7,000 people show up in the community and you had to have a healing service with your blue jeans and just. Well, um, because sweet people, we did not know we, we were going to have a service. Right. A man named Janetto said, we have to stop, if you remember. Yes. And uh, I said, stop where? I said, well, we're going to have to fly into this place. And then he said, there's a few pastors who want to meet you. And I'm thinking like maybe, you know, 20, whatever. And we show up and there's 7,000 people there. Waiting for us. And I wasn't happy at all with Janetta. And Mr. Maddox will tell you that. Because I wasn't ready. I didn't have my clothes, like suits, all that. We had just casual clothes. And I used to wear boots in those days, if you can believe it. You know, cowboy boots. They were nice boots, by the way. Thank you. And we got off. And the part of God hit was like a tent, wasn't it? Or someplace. I can't think what it was. Packed out. You couldn't even get in the place. It but these, these were the days.
tell tell me uh, one more. I I I, I know we get, don't have a lot of time, but uh, one that a story that I've been thinking about recently because I've been talking about God working miracles under grace. Yeah. Galatians says, "Who has bewitched you? You think you started out in the spirit? You're going to try to finish it in your own ability, your own yeah. strength. He that worketh miracles and do and supplies the spirit, does he do it by the hearing of faith?" or the preaching of the law, of course, it comes by the hearing of faith. But one of the most impacting stories you told me was when you were preparing for a service and instead of praying that morning as you normally do, because I know you're a really praying man, but that morning you got sidetracked and you didn't pray, you didn't do anything and you just showed up and you know the story I'm talking about? India. I call it the Bugs Bunny story maybe. Oh, that, oh my Lord. You remember that? Well, that's to me, that's one of the most powerful stories. Tell it, please. I'll, well, I'll... I just began preaching, and Marty Phillips, who you remember from the Catherine Human Ministry, called me. She said, Listen, they want you up in Montreal. The full gospel businessman, massive crowd showed up that morning in Montreal. I don't know, 3,000 people for breakfast. Well, I just began with the Human Ministry. <laughs> Did you have to remind me? It's awesome. This is the best story. <laughs> so I am rushing. I'm rushing to get ready for the service. So I look up. I said, dear Jesus. Okay. You're going to love this. Are you, are you watching? Them? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're being bad right now. No, anyway, it's so, good. This is a great. So I, I, I look up and said, dear Jesus, I don't really have time to pray. But I use it now. I don't do it now. But in those days, I loved watching Bugs Bunny. I just loved watching Bugs Bunny. And it was Saturday morning. I can't remember. Yeah, it was Saturday. So I said, dear Jesus, would you mind if I watch Bugs Bunny for just a few minutes before I go down and preach? I jump on the bed, and I'm watching Bugs. Then somebody comes knocking on, on the door. It's time to go. So I said, okay, let's go. I get in the service. The power of God hit so magnificent a lady who was bent like an arch, like an arch, French Canadian, starts screaming so big down there. She had a brace that also was like an arch on her back. God straightened her back, straightened her back in a way it startled the whole crowd. She did not believe that she was healed. She came up and grabbed me by my jacket. And she said, this is not real. This is a dream. This is a dream. And she grabbed my tie. I used to wear ties in those days. She almost, you know, choked me. I said, lady, please let go. Anyways, and her son was there freaking out. She said, I won't believe this unless I see myself in a mirror. Well, right behind us was these things that they put on the wall for decorations, you know? Not a mirror, but you could see, you know, through, through them. So I said, well, there's something here. You could probably see yourself. So she walks back and then screams again and comes back. It was one of the most glorious mornings of my life. So Marty Phillips comes up to me. She said, you didn't even pray this morning. And God did that. And I said, I know. I was watching Bugs. She said, what? I said, I was watching Bugs Bunny. She, <laughs> she laughed and she laughed and she laughed. I said, God has a sense, a sense of humor. I said, even after Bugs, he still heals. You say the Holy Spirit said something to you that day, like, don't think you're praying or your works. Has yeah, no, no. I, he said it to me more than once. He said, it's not your prayer. He said, I just want you available. Wow. Yeah. What you see, we, have to be, we have to be in communion in season, out of season. Maggie Hartner, Maggie Hartner gave me the most incredible advice. 
When Miss Kuhlman passed, a year later, I preached her uh, memorial service. And here I was chosen out of different preachers, and I had never met Miss Kuhlman. And Maggie, her right-hand lady, decided to have me preach the service and ignored people like Ralph Wilkinson, who were friends and other preachers who were close to him, who were really upset with me because I never knew Miss Kuhlman, and they all knew her, or I never met her. So I'm in the office with Jimmy McDonald in the afternoon of that day, February 20th, 1977 to be exact. And Maggie says, now don't you go and pray and get all tied up with yourself so God can't use you. Go take a nap. I said, pardon? You heard what I said. I walked out of that office. I'm thinking, this is the most unspiritual woman I ever met in my life to tell me not to pray. And I was scared to death. I wanted to pray, and I did. When I got up on that platform and saw the crowd and the choir and all of them dressed so beautiful, all of Catherine's people who did not know my name, and I'm to come up and minister to these people who thought I was a stranger or whatever, I could not even get on the platform. I told the story. An usher had to force me, push me on the platform. And when I got up with, this, with those spotlights on me, Carnegie Music Hall, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, I'll never, never forget that. And I, and I looked up at one point, I said, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I can't do it, I cannot do it. And the Lord said, I'm glad, now I will, word for word. Wow. And the part of God hit and people were getting healed. Maggie, Ruth, all of Catherine's people were running, getting the miracles. And I just stood there like, I didn't do anything. I, I just said, I can't do it. And they come up to me and they said, kiddo, you got it. I didn't know what, what they meant by kiddo, I got it. <laughs> Meaning they anointing. At that time, I didn't know what they, what, what they meant. And then I went every month for four years. So great was the power of God. So great was God's power. But listen, it's really about surrender. Can I talk about that? Because this is really what I want to talk about. Anything you want to talk about. I'm ready. How long do I have? As long as you want. It's a deal. I love it. I love it. And I love you. <laughs> and baby. You know, the, the thing that we're talking about is miracles. Yes, we have to pray, of course, and we all do. We have to stay in, in, in contact with the Lord. You know, the Lord said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. What is the responsibility of a branch? The responsibility of the branch is to stay connected. Mm. The life of the branch comes from the vine. So we as Christians have to understand, never in the Bible did God say, try to live the life or try harder. He just said, be connected to me, abide in me. Well, right. abiding is the simplest thing in the world. Simplest thing in the world. It's all about surrendering our lives to him, quite simple. Those who try will fail. Never in the world did God say, try, try harder, never. He just said, abide. The, mm -hmm. the word, the one word in the Christian life is yield, yield. That's what Paul said, yield your members as instruments. So we don't try, we don't beg, we don't plead, we don't work hard. No, no, because it's all done for us. We just yield. That's as simple as God can put it. So, you know, think about in, in 1 Kings 20, we all know the story of when the Syrian king said to Ahab, he said, I'm going to kill you, and whatever I say to you, you better do it, basically. 
And Ahab said, my Lord, O king, listen to this. According to thy saying, I'm thine and all that I have. Here is Ahab telling the king of Syria, all I have is yours. All I am is yours. Here's a, a wicked king like Ahab telling the Syrian king who wanted to come and invade his land and destroy him. All I got is yours. All I am is yours. If a wicked man can say to another wicked man, all I have is yours, because, you know, otherwise he, he would have been killed by him. How much more should we say to our loving Heavenly mm. Father, to our precious darling Jesus, all I am and all I have is yours. Mm. We're not perfect. We all fail. Come on, we all know that. None is perfect but he himself. Mm. So the Christian life is about surrender. If it's not surrender, it's not a Christian life. Quite mm. simple. So... Uh, let's, let, let's, let's all go to Matthew 16, because a lot of people today need this message, probably more than anything else. Mr. Maddox, my dearest friend, four years ago, I'm sitting watching TV. You, you probably heard me tell the story, but I'm sitting watching Netflix, and I'm watching a good program, not a bad program. This is four years ago. And the Lord looks at me, and, and, and the Lord says to me, cancel it now just like that i called lance simmons whom you know i said lance you better come over here the, the lord just said to cancel netflix cancel it a few months later the lord said no more cable no more tv and no more direct tv i, I don't want i don't want you watching television period wow. I, I canceled cable i canceled tv i canceled everything i have never been happier I've never been happier than the last four years. More peace in my life than you, you can imagine, more joy. I'm spending my days with my Bible in the morning and in the evening. Hebrew Bible at night. I'm reading church history. I want to know who I am. Why, why are we here? I've read Fox's Book of Martyrs now, I think, three, four times. It, just, it's a, it kind of will tear you up when you read it about the saints who suffered and give us what, what we have today. And so much more about, you know, Polycarp, Ignatius, Clement. Oh, these amazing people who gave us what we have today. Anyways, so surrender. Um, the Lord says in Matthew 16, 24, he said, if any man will come after me, let him what? Deny himself. No one talks about that. Self-denial today is not even taught hardly. Deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Well, the cross is death. That's what it, it really is a symbol of. Yeah. And whosoever will save his life will lose it. Whosoever will lose, let me just re-read re it. Whosoever will save his life will lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited? If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? That's quite powerful in Matthew 16, beginning at verse 24. So I think incredible glory and blessings are there for every individual who will obey that beautiful command. And it's simple to do. It's really simple to do. Can I be honest with all of you? Can I be honest with your sweet people? Yeah. The church today has become so wrapped and involved in worldly affairs. 
Paul the Apostle said to Timothy, he said, a soldier of Jesus Christ cannot be entangled with the affairs of this life. He can't. If you're a soldier of Jesus, you can't be entangled. Abraham looked for a city whose maker and builder is God. He could have gone back to where he came from. But he decided, it says in Hebrews 11, he decided to stay in a tent looking for a, for a city, looking at, at, at himself as a stranger in the land that God even promised him. In 1 Peter 1.1, we are called strangers. Peter says to the strangers, we are not citizens of earth. We're not even citizens of the United States or any country. Mm. We are citizens of heaven, heaven. And since our citizenship is heavenly, our lifestyle must be heavenly, not earthly. It must be one. And, and, and so today, if, if you really want to live victoriously, please hear me. This is very important. If you, if you, you want to live victoriously, you have to begin living for the next life in this life. Wow. May I say it again? Please. If you want to live victoriously as a Christian, <laughs> you have to begin living for the next life in this life. Not wait till we're gone. Catherine Kuhlman, Catherine Kuhlman used to always say, don't get to heaven and find out how much you missed on earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, A lady came to her pastor. She said, I'm bored. What are you bored with? Well, same songs, same sermons, same this, same that. What, and so he said, what are you looking for? True story. What are, you, what are you looking for? Well, I'm looking for peace. I'm looking for joy. I'm looking for the assurance of heaven. And the pastor foolishly said, what else is there? And I'm thinking, what else is there? That's not the Christian life. It's the beginning of the Christian life. Mm-hmm. The Christian life is about being transformed into the image of the Son of God. Mm-hmm. Not about joy, peace, and I want to make heaven when I die. It's about being transformed from day to day into this wonderful image of the Son of God. That is the Christian life. That's what makes it so exciting. Well, I can't have that transformation if I'm watching TV and being entangled with this life, I'm going to have this transformation if I spend time in his presence. It's a simple thing. You become like the individual you talk to most, <laughs> even in the natural. You become like someone who you spend more time with. That's just a, a fact of life. Anyone who's influencing you most, he'll, he'll make you talk like him one day and you'll act like him and you'll think like him one day, even in the natural. Think about the Lord. When we spend time with him, we become like him. We think like him. We talk like him. And one day we're going to look like him. So in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9, there's a powerful verse we've all read. I have not seen, nor ear hath heard. Mm. Whoa. Now that have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now, you know, people talk about like, what does that mean? It means when you surrender, there are things God will give you that you didn't even know existed. Yes. When I said no to Netflix, when I said no to cable and direct TV, which I no longer have and I don't want, I've not watched one hour of network TV in four years now. I've never had such peace in my life. Never, never such joy, never such contentment. I looked at, at a lady not long ago. This was about three years ago. 
<clears throat> she was watching The Voice. And I happened to walk in and I'm looking at this woman watching her TV. I said, what are you getting from that spiritually? She was offended. I said, what is this giving you spiritually? I like it. Oh, really? I said, but what is it doing for your life spiritually? Zero. Zero. Maddox, my dear, dear brother and pastor, do you remember what I used to talk about after the, the Crusades often and when we would fly? History. I knew more about history than I knew maybe about other things in life. I wrote a book on the history of Israel. What did I gain? Zero. I know more about Churchill and Mussolini and Hitler and the Russian Revolution and the Chinese Revolution. What, what did I gain? Nothing. Nothing. Why am I reading my Bible today three times a year? Because I want to make up for all I lost back then. Mm. And I was already in ministry back then. I want to know this Jesus I serve. I want to know his mind. That's why I'm, I'm actually learning Hebrew. I'm, I go to university. I'm the, I'm the only student in my class because I paid you know, enough money to be the only student in my class. And my, my professor told me last week, she said, you're the best I got. She said, you're my number one student now. I, why am I doing it? I want to know the Bible. I want to go right to the depth. I want to know the mind of this wonderful Lord I serve. I'm reading today, you know, and I just was blown away. God looks at Israel and says, have I wearied you? Are you weary of me? And I began weeping. Wow. I, I, I began crying. God reaching out to a people who didn't want him. And he said, have I wearied you? Mm. I brought you out of Egypt. Have I burdened you? Oof. And I looked up, I said, dear Lord, what kind of a God are you? You're so precious. To reach out to a people who were worshiping stones and wood and idols and forsook you, worshiping devils, and you're looking at them saying, have I troubled you? Wow. Wow. It's a precious Lord. And all he's asking of us isn't to go and whip our back with whips like they do in some religions and pray so many times a day like they do with some religions and do this and do this and do this. It's all about doing. If you look at religion, it's about doing, doing, doing. We don't do anything. He, he already did it. Wow. And all we do is yield. Mm. What a precious thing. Jesus didn't say anything else, but surrender, abide, yield. How simple is that? So the conditions of God's blessings that you read here in this amazing verse, I had not seen, ear haven't heard. The, what God has in store for those who will simply obey and love him. And when you look at Ephesians, you know, I mean, we, we all read that sweet verse and we, you know, think about other things maybe when we look at it. But if you read this wonderful verse 20 of Ephesians 3, unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all, we ask or think. There's way more for us then, according to the power that works in us. Okay, I get it. People have made up all kinds of things about this verse but it, it really comes down to one thing surrender we're not going to receive the life of the vine by trying it's just by yielding mm. so the lord knows he knows that many of us have tried and failed to to surrender i mean you know he he knows us he knows we've, we, we've failed miserably, we condemned ourselves, well, we couldn't find the secret, all that. 
Yet the Lord is not asking us to surrender by our own strength. Wow. Yeah. So when I say to you, all you, you have to do is surrender, God knows you probably cannot. And if you try, you're going to fail, because I should have. Because we cannot surrender by our own strength. So our will is no good. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. We, we cannot do it by self-will, effort will, self-confidence, all that stuff. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. So Paul the Apostle came to the place, you know, when you, when you, when you read uh, in Romans like 7 and verse 18, mm -hmm. he said this. He said, for to will is present with me, but how to perform, I can't find it. So even Paul had the problem. <laughs> So we all feel better now, huh? Yes. So even, even Paul had the problem of, okay, I have the will, but I just don't know how. Why? Because in our flesh dwells no good thing, it says in verse 24. Paul failed, and then he calls himself in verse 24, O wretched man that I am. I mean, he tried and said, no go, I can't do it. I'm wretched. And I think this is when we discover our deliverance. Mm. We discover our, our deliverance when we discover our wretchedness, that I just can't do it. Okay, now, it's the Holy Spirit, and we all know that. You know, Romans 8.3 is clear on only the Holy Spirit can bring the flesh into subjection, bring the flesh to death. Jesus said, you have to carry your cross, follow me, that's death. Well, I can't do it on my own because it says in Romans 8, 13, I should say, Romans 8, 13, that mortify the flesh by the spirit, not by the will of the flesh. It's not going to happen. So let's, let's just talk about this just a second. I have seen from the word, <clears throat> there are two spirits at work, two mighty forces at work. There's the spirit of the Lord and the spirit of the world. And these are very powerful. Let's just look at uh, 1 Corinthians 2.12 real quick. Because I think it's important to begin to understand the forces uh, like the spirit of the world that, that is fighting us. So it says now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us. Mm. So self, self and the flesh belongs to the spirit of the world. And it, it, that's our, great, our greatest enemy, our greatest curse is the flesh. So that's why Paul said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of corruption? So the Lord... <clears throat> asks us to crucify self by surrender. And maybe, maybe people don't even have the desire to surrender, even if God says surrender, and they really don't want to because they're enjoying sin too much and the world too much. So we don't have the will. God understands that. But the Bible tells us something powerful. The Bible tells us if we simply allow God Mm. He will give us the desire and give us the will to do his good pleasure. Yes. We all know that in Philippians 2.13. So if we allow the Lord 
And I'm going to show you how when I'm just in a few minutes. If we allow, oh, I feel like a praise break coming on me, but I'm going to keep talking. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Love you. You see, the Lord showed me all this. Yes. And he didn't show me the easy way, okay? But we have got to understand. God gives us that desire. We don't, there's no way in us we can even produce it. God gives us the will. No way we can even make it happen. So there was a certain man, if you all remember, in Mark 9, <clears throat> there was a certain man who came to the Lord looking for a miracle. And the Lord says, you just believe. And, and, and he cried, Lord, I can't help my unbelief. Wow. Because I can't even do it because I'm a man of unbelief. Think about the beauty of that moment when the man said, I can't even believe. Mm. Would you help me in my unbelief? Wow. So God can go as far as we let him. Oh, wow. Wow. So you may not even have the assurance that you can succeed. You may not even have the assurance that you even have the will or the desire or the faith for it, like the man in Mark 9. And that's verse 23, 24. We all know the story. But I think God will work that surrender in us if we let him. So the apostle Peter, <laughs> I love Peter. The apostle Peter uh, be begins his Christian life with great confidence. If you, if you look at the Bible and study Peter, it's quite amazing. Honest man, means well, determined to be the greatest Christian of his time, you know. <laughs> but along the way, he discovers it's impossible. It's impossible to be a follower of Jesus on your own strength. So when Jesus called Peter, here's Peter, Matthew 4, 18. Bye-bye, daddy. Bye-bye, business. Bye-bye, family. Boy, he was really ready to fly with the Lord, you know. He left business, left mommy, left daddy, left everything and said, I'm coming, Lord. So Matthew 4, Jesus calls him. Andrew, you know, John, James, all those wonderful men. They all forsook all, it says, and left him. Okay, that's easy. That's a great way to start. But here's Peter. Let's just look at, 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 this, at this amazing man. This is the most uh, aggressive of all the apostles. He's the first to, to, to when he sees Jesus walking on the sea, Matthew 14, and the Lord says, come. He jumps right out of that boat. And the rest didn't do it. He said, no way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drown. So he's the, he, he's the honest man, means well, determines or determined to be his best, leaves papa, leaves business, leaves everything, and the past, and the family. And now in the boat, big storm, Jesus on the, on the sea. Come on, Peter. Yes, Lord. Wham, he's gone. He was even used, he was even used in Matthew 16 to say, you are the Christ, mm -hmm. the son of the living God. Think about all the successes he had in his early days. But he was lacking. Like all of us, he failed. Because right after, and this is where people fail, okay? Right after he had his greatest moment, 
Matthew 16, verse 16, 17, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Yona. Blessed are you, son of Yona. That, that was his father's name. Blessed are you. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my father. Upon this rock, upon what you just said, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom, meaning guaranteed his entrance. Mm. Minutes later, Jesus said, I'm going to the cross. And Peter rebukes him. Right. No, Lord, you won't do it. The cross is an offense to the flesh. That's the problem. The second Jesus talks about the cross, okay, come follow me. I'm going. Come walk on the sea. Let's go. Who am I? You're the Christ. Hallelujah. All winning statements and actions. But Jesus says, I'm going to down that cross. No, you won't. I won't let you. And he rebukes him. Jesus goes from, blessed are you to get behind me, Satan. Mm -hmm. Think about the same, the same man being called, blessed are you, Simon Bariona, on this statement, I'm going to build my church. Yeah, 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 good for you. And I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. And minutes later, you're the devil. Wow. Get behind me, devil. You're an offense to me. Whoa. What happened here? Well, quite simple. The minute Peter heard the words, deny yourself, he didn't like it. Mm. Because the cross is about denial. Mm -hmm. The second Jesus said, I'm going to Calvary. Let's look at it. This, this is the most remarkable portion of Matthew. And so it's, it's a moment of a mountaintop experience for Peter and then wham. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. What did Jesus say before that? <clears throat> From that time, this is verse 21. From that, well, let's just go back even a little more. Let's go to verse 20. Then charged thee his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ, but then from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer. Mm. Many things of the elders, chief priests, scribes, be killed, be raised again for the third day. They were not expecting that. What they were ex ex expecting is he's going, to he's going to defeat the Romans and kick them out and take over. And they'll be there with him to rule. That's what they were looking for. Mm -hmm. They weren't looking for the cross. They were looking for we're going to reign. The Romans will be defeated. That was the, that was the last thing they asked before Jesus ascended. Will you at this time restore the kingdom? Right. Not for you to know. What were they looking for? They were looking for power. People who look for power will gladly live mommy and daddy. Hmm. Uh -huh. People who are looking for power will gladly say, I'm coming to walk on the water. People who are looking for power will gladly say, you're the Christ. But the second Jesus says, deny yourself. Uh -uh, I won't do that. I'm going to the cross. That was a big shock. Peter took him and began to rebuke him. <laughs> be it far from thee, be it far like let someone else die, not you. Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said, get thee behind me, Satan. Mm. Thou art an offense unto me, for you savor not the things that be of God. You don't favor the, the things that belong to God. But 
men. And then the Lord gives Peter the answer and the rest. At that point, he tells him clearly he must deny himself to follow him. Mm -hmm. It's not about preaching, walking on water, and being the top in the group. Then said, right after that, wow. the Lord says, the next thing he says after he says, get, get behind me, devil. Get, get behind me, Satan. He looks at them and says, if any of you, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross. So not only am I going to carry mine, you have to carry yours mm -hmm. and follow me. That's self-denial. At that time, Peter didn't even understand that. You know, it's really amazing. The second Jesus says that to them, Peter tries to win again and fails one more time. Because the next time, when the Lord is ab about to go to the cross, Peter says to the Lord, well, Lord, now, you know, I'm with you all the way. I'll die with you. I'll never, I'll never deny you. I'm, I'm, I'm the man who is always doing it well, and I know I blew it one time, but I won't blow it again. Look at Mark 14, 29. Peter said, although all will be offended, I won't. Mm. <laughs> Even everybody, if everybody leaves you and everybody turns on you, I won't. So, and in Luke, you, you look at how he tried. He really tried. We have to give him credit. Peter really was a, a bold, aggressive man who wanted to please the Lord, but failed. He failed like all of us will. Mm -hmm. Look at Luke 22 and 33. He said, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Wow. If they all, you know, leave you, I'm staying. And I'm ready, Luke 22, 33. I'm ready to go with you even to prison and to die with you. And after all that, what happened? Same chapter, verse 61. The man who wanted to be the, the best for the Lord, the best for the Lord, he denied him. Wow. And then verse 61, Jesus said, before the cock, Crow, you'll deny me three times. Mm -hmm. So, but later, the Lord restored him. Mm -hmm. And how did he restore him? Not by rebuking him, hmm. by saying, do you love me? Mm. Oh, what a, what a precious Jesus, huh? Mm. He didn't say, you bad boy, you. Uh -huh. You bad Peter, you, you denied me. Mm. You promised and you didn't do it. Uh-uh. Do you love me? Mm. So they finally understood it's about surrender. Mm. It's, not, it's not about trying, because think about how, how, how hard he tried. Peter, I mean, how hard he tried. How many of us would leave our business behind? Mm -hmm. Not many. It says that when the Lord said to the apostles, you know, let's go into the deep. No, oh, Lord, we've been fishing all night. We caught nothing. No, no, let's just go. At your word, Lord, we'll do it. They catch multitudes of fish. They have to have other boats help them. And here's the beauty of the moment. It says they left everything and followed him again. Hmm. Meaning they didn't say, now, Lord, let's go sell the fish first. 
Let's go make some money before we follow you. Mm-hmm. No, they were willing to, to leave the business. And the fish, think about all the, the, the maybe thousands of fish or hundreds for, for, for sure in those boats, more than one boat packed with fish that almost drowned. Yes. They could have said, Lord, can we just go and make a little money first? Let's just go sell them. Uh-uh. They were so committed to say, we're done. Bye-bye. Wow. So they, they succeeded with that. They succeeded, and he succeeded with all that I just shared. He failed, though, because he couldn't do it. He had the will, but no power behind it. Mm. Desire and no power behind it. At least he, he had the desire and the will. But God goes as far as, as to say, you don't have to be a Peter. I'll make you a Peter. I'll give you the desire and the will. Mm. So all we have to do is one thing. John 15, verse 5. This is the, this is the key to the Christian wow. victorious life. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abides in me, not who visits. He that abides in me and I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nada, nothing. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a simple thing. The branch has no responsibilities. It's quite simple. He says, I'm, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Okay, Lord. So all the responsibilities are his, not mine. Mm-hmm. Because the branch does nothing, no responsibilities, except to receive the life from the vine. The nourishment from the vine. So what is that? Absolute dependence on the Lord. And the thing that is so wonderful is the vine does the work for the branch. (laughs) The branch simply is there. The fruit comes from the vine, not the branch. And Jesus says, you'll you'll receive fruit, more fruit, much fruit. So dependence on the Lord is the greatest secret to the power of God and to, to the blessings of God. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to you from my heart, one-on-one. It wasn't easy for me, it wasn't easy for me to not watch TV anymore because I was always into history, into, you know, the old classics and things like that. It's not, it wasn't easy. I wanted to know what's happening with the news, all that. Chad is here. When all the riots began in this country back a few months ago. How long did it take me to find out? At least a month. Wow. I knew nothing about what was going on out there. You say, well, you're too heavily minded. Yeah, and I love it. I knew nothing. And one day, uh, Chad said, uh, you really need to know about this. This is really important. You know what I said? It's the world. It's the world. I just didn't even want to hear it. It wasn't the right thing for me to do. 
So a group of uh, pastors wanted me to minister to them. A lot of them. And it was a, an African-American group of pastors who had a conference on Zoom. And Chad said, Pastor Benny, you really need to know because you'll probably be asked. I said, asked what? And then, and then he told me. I was in shock. Hmm. He said, you need to see the video before you talk to these preachers because they will want something. You'll need to say something. It's that important. I didn't, I didn't, I, I did not even know what video he was talking about. When I see this policeman with his leg over that man, George Floyd, I began weeping. That, that happened half an hour before I ministered to those pastors. So since then, the only thing I look at is the post from Jerusalem. Sometimes Fox on my phone, just in case it happens again and I don't know what's going on. Mm. The post from Jerusalem is to me the best because it really gives you world news, local news, Israel news, at least you're, you're aware right. and you're not totally cut off like the, the priests who used to live in those caves years ago. I'm not asking you to go live in a cave. I surely don't want to live one in a, in, in a cave myself. You know, those uh, old, what do they call them? Uh, uh, hermits, I think they call them. Uh, used to go live in caves in the Sinai or deserts. Or something. No, no. That's not what God is asking us. You, yes, we, we have to find balance. And, and I think I found it. I don't watch TV. I don't want to. I do, uh, and I'm aware of what's going on <clears throat> by simply reading uh, the post and sometimes CBN news on my on my phone. That's really all I care to look at right now. I, I, I don't want to know anything else. I'm in my Bible <clears throat> every day, every night, and reading church history a lot about the early fathers, the the millions that died to give us the Bible. Mm-hmm. More people died, more people were killed by the false church than by the Roman Empire. Wow. More, millions more killed by the false church than the Romans for even owning a Bible. It was, it, it, it was, it was uh, a, a crime to read the Bible for yourself years ago. A crime. William Tyndale for giving us the, the English Bible. They killed him. Mm. Martin Luther was persecuted. Only God saved him. Jan Hus. Oh, dear Lord. Oh, dear Lord. Maybe you've never heard of Jan Hus. They burnt him. Mm. And, uh, and it says that he praised the Lord in the fire. And while they were cursing him and shouting at him, his praise was louder than their curses. Mm. And they tried to tie him to the stake. And he said, you don't have to tie me. I will hug the stake. <laughs> you don't have to tie me. I'm ready to go. 
Wow. Without these men, we would not have our Bible. We wouldn't have it. They gave it to us. Wow, Athanasius, what an amazing man he was. To fight for truth. Arianism almost destroyed the church. Maybe, maybe, maybe many of you don't, don't even know what I'm talking about, but I'll tell you. There was a man named Arian in North Africa <clears throat> who taught that Jesus was not divine. That Jesus was born, begotten. Uh, sorry, born and created, I should say. <clears throat> Millions followed him. Many, even in the family of Constantine, one of his sons who became king was an Arian. And Arians began killing true believers. That's why they called the Council of Nicaea years ago in present-day Turkey to come to, is Jesus divine? And finally, they come up with the creed that we all know. And Athanasius fought for the truth. He was a, an amazing man from Alexandria, Egypt. And you read about what they gave us. We are who we are because of these amazing people. Perpetua, a precious young girl, killed for her faith. They used her dad against her, her family against her, tried to change her faith and said, we will save you if you'll deny Jesus. And she just had had a baby. And they used every possible way to cause her to deny the faith, including her baby. They took away from her and, and it was a painful thing for her. But she and another girl said, no, we will never deny the Lord. Mm. We're killed. And, and you read the martyrs, the story of the martyrs. I would, I would recommend every Christian reads Fox's book of martyrs. Yes. Every Christian. Because it will show you the value of Christianity. What it means to be a Christian. Not the stuff that you, that you hear today. The, the stuff that you hear today is a message of hope. A message that says, here's how you feel good. Mm. It's a feel good. It's a feel good message read out there. How good is it doing now with COVID? Mm. Uh-huh. People are leaving the faith. Barna just did a study a week ago. 21, per, well, let me just say it like this. They discovered that seven out of 10 Americans say they're Christians. Mm -hmm. Good news, okay. Seven out of 10, not bad. But only 21% of those who call themselves Christians in this country believe the Bible. Mm. That was just released last week. Look it up. Check it out. 21%, go to the Bonner Group. 21% in, in America who say they're Christians, the seven out of 10, only 21% believe the Bible. What is more shocking though, what is most shocking is only 6% of the youth believe the Bible mm. inside the church. Only 6% of the young people in the church believe the Bible. Because today it's all about feel good, hope, success, money, how to make it, how to win, all that. It's not the gospel. Mm -hmm. That's not the gospel. The gospel is quite, quite simple. 
if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Every gospel talks about this. And the Lord goes beyond that. If you don't hate your father, your mother, your family, and your own life, you're not even worthy to be mine. Now, he's not asking us to go hate mommy and daddy or brothers and sisters because he revealed the balance to us on the cross. All right. The same God who said, honor your mom and dad is not going to say, go and kill them or go and hate them or go and leave them. No, 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 no. never. It's not, that, that's not in the, in the word. Here is what Jesus meant when he said, if you love them more than me, you're not worthy of me. Quite simple. His mom, his brothers, sisters come to Galilee and he's preaching in a house and they come and say, your mom is out there and your brothers. He replies, who is my mother? Mm-hmm. Who are my brethren? It's those who hear and do the word of God. Okay. What did Jesus mean that by, if you don't hate them? It means don't put them ahead of the will of God. Mm-hmm. Don't put them ahead of the call of God. Jesus was there preaching the word. There was not the time to go say hi to mommy and daddy. But, or mommy and Joseph and the brothers. But on the cross... He gave us an amazing, amazing revelation about balance. He looks, he sees Mary, his mom, John next. He says, take care of her. Wow. Now he shows us love. Even the last, one of the last things he says on the cross, take care of her. Wow. That gives you the heart of Jesus for his mom. Mm-hmm. So the, the, same, the same Lord who said, who's my mother? Who's my brother and sister? But those who hear the word, receive it, obey it. But on the cross, take care of her. Balance. It's all, it's all about balance. We cannot allow family to take the place of Jesus in our life. Or the will of God in our life. Or, or the, the call of God in our life. Can I have my phone? I want to... Yeah. That's, that's not, that's not going to happen to us. Mm-hmm. Or bring my white iPad instead, please. I want to I do something. That's why I'm asking. So it's important, saints. It's really important. We live the Christian life. And we live the surrendered life. Where we say, Lord, I'm no longer my own. I'm yours, Lord. Mm-hmm. I want to pray. But while I pray... I want to play an old hymn that I love very, very much. Fairest Lord Jesus. And I just want you to lift your hands to heaven and just say, Lord, I want this, but I don't have the desire yet or the strength for the will, but I want it. Fairest Lord Jesus, ruler of all nature. Just lift your hands and ask him to give you what I've been talking about. Because that's the Christian life. Thou of God and man the Son. Who do I cherish, Lord? Thee will I cherish only. 
thee will I honor only. Thou my soul's glory. No one can take your place in my life. You're my joy. You're my crown. We give you praise. We give you praise. Beautiful Savior. Lord of the nations. Son of God. And son of man, glory and honor, praise and adoration, now forevermore, is touching some of you right now let him do his work just for the next few moments just for the next few moments thank you Jesus touch your feet Give you praise, Savior. Malbatima, Yelder, Sintinel. Nero, Sintinel, Alfat, Yarda, Sintinel. saints of God the day will come mommy will be gone daddy will be gone my mom is gone my dad is gone my kids are grown and gone mostly I see them here I see them there I love it I got grandchildren beautiful but none of that gives me joy it comes and goes, yeah. It comes and goes. They come. I love it. When they leave, I love it more. Because I can only handle it for only so long. My kids, 
I love it. Then they're gone. They have their own life. We can't be with them 24 hours a day. That's impossible. Suzanne and I, you know, we live our own lives. Beautiful, peaceful now, thank God. I don't get, I, I get more peace and joy with my Bible talking to the Lord than I do with my family. As much as I love them. But the older I'm getting, the more I'm realizing. The Lord said, I shall never leave thee. My wife never said that. My mom never said that. My dad never said that. My children cannot say it or my grandkids. I shall never leave thee. I shall never forsake thee. Because the, the truth of the matter is there's only one person who's with us 24 hours a day, every minute and every, every second. We may not recognize his presence or even acknowledge it, but he's there. Mm-hmm. Well, why not get to know him better than we know family members who we know, you know, we, we spend more time with them when we were, we were younger because we needed them then. But the older you get, the less you really need that kind of thing in your life. It's still good to have it because we all need family. Come on, we, you know, I'm not denying that because I need my kids and my grandkids. I miss my mom. I miss my dad. I love to hear from my brothers and sisters. I enjoy when I see them. But then it's over. They, they've got to go back to their own lives. I love my son Joshua deeply, deeply. I talk to him many, many times a day. But can he say the words to me, I'll never leave you or forsake you? That's a joke. He can't, even if he tries. Only one can do that. And I'm going to finish with this. Evelyn Roberts was in the hospital. And I just happened to go to Hogue Hospital to see her. Not realizing that the moment I would walk in, she'd be gone. Or going. Just as I walk in, the nurses were running around. And she was going home. No one was in the room. No one was in the room. The nurse ran out to get, I guess, something. And now I'm alone. I was, I'll never, this had a great impact on me. I'm looking at this saint of God who just seconds before breathed her last breath. And I'm, and I didn't know what to do. Do I leave? Do I stay? What did I do? The nurse came and put a pillow under her chin and ran out again. And I'm wanting to call somebody. Like who? who do, so I picked up the phone to call Oral or, or, or Richard. Busy line. Couldn't get him. Her daughter, Rebecca, happened to walk down the hall because she'd, she'd been there for a long time. But as Rebecca was gone, or Roberta, excuse me, was gone. That's when I walked in. Now she walks back and hears her mommy's gone and she starts to weep by the window. She looks at me, she says, Benny, I'm so glad you're here. I said, thank you. And I walked out and I said to myself, how sad no one was there to say goodbye. No one was there to pray that last prayer with her. And the Lord rebukes me. Mm. 
He said, I was there. Mm -hmm. Wow, I'm there. Mm. I'll never forget that beautiful moment. So when that last moment comes in your life, the day, the day is going to come, you will be alone. I promise you, the day will come, you will be alone. But never will he leave you. Mm. Never will he forsake you. You will be alone from family and friends, yes. The day will come, every man, every human being will be alone. But you'll never be alone if you walk with him. And the greatest thing you can do today to prepare for that life eternally is what I said earlier. Begin living for the next world today by yielding to the Lord and let him live his life through you. That's all I have to say, Mr. Malix. Love you. Well, you've been a big, big blessing. Thank you so much for sharing such deep truth with us, Pastor Manny. We love you so much. Would you just take just a second before we go and just pray for all of us that we find our place in the surrender. And then obviously there's hundreds of people, you know, believing God to touch their lives today. If you would say a prayer with us, we'd really appreciate it. I'd love it. I'd love it. Why don't you stretch your hands towards me, you sweet people of God. I'm stretching my hands and my heart towards, my heart towards you, Father, in Jesus' name. Meet that need in their life. You know, Lord, the heart aches. You know what they need, what they're going through. First of all, Lord, I do pray, give them that blessed holy desire we've been talking about. Give them the will to surrender. Empower them, Lord, like you empowered Peter in his life later. Mm. The man who could not keep a promise after Pentecost became the giant of the church and died as a martyr. Thank you, Lord, for that example in our life. Thank you for the example in the life of Paul the Apostle and dear Stephen and many that we look at and look to today as our strength because of you, Lord, because of you. But you are our strength and our blessed, blessed, wonderful Lord. Lord, your word declares he that dwelleth in the secret place. Not he who visits will dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. Protect your people now, Lord, especially in this time of danger and darkness. Let them live in the light. Let them live with glory all around, transforming them from day to day into your sweet image. Giving them peace they've never, never even known or joy never known that is ours. We give you praise. And now, wonderful Lord, also meet the needs mm -hmm. of people. Lord, I rebuke sickness now. Thank you. If there's any sick, Lord, I pray you'll heal them. Let your power go through them. Minister your wonderful power and presence now, Lord, in their life. Remove that deadly disease out of their body. Let them be made whole today, Lord. Let this be the day when that miracle comes their way. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Heal your wonderful people. And Lord, meet every need. Meet financial needs today, Lord. Your people are worried. Your people are concerned about their future financially. You're the one who said, I've not seen the righteous forsaken. Nor the seed begging for bread through David. In your word. You're the one who said, if we gave, it shall be given to us. 
and we will be blessed. And our future will be blessed. Bless your people today, Lord. Take away the fear. Give them faith. Let them live victoriously with joy. Not a day of lack. Not a, not a moment of lack in their life. In Jesus' name. This has been a presentation of Word Alive International Outreach, 122 Allendale Road, Oxford, Alabama. Reach us by phone at 256-831-5280 or at our website, wordalive.org. This has been a production of Word Alive Creative Arts.